0: Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit
1: exertus.ie
0: forward slash VMware. This
1: is News Talk.
2: Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll have first impressions of Sky Glass. With the one cable and a new interface, is it going to shake up the world of TV? Plus, we have gaming galore with the team behind Ireland's GamerFest and John Riley of TheEffect.net. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. On Tuesday morning, I went along to a briefing about the new Skyglass TV. This is something that I have been quite excited about for quite a while. uh, And it was great to see it up close and personal. Next week on the show, I'll be chatting to one of the key figures uh, who was very influential in terms of the design and the build and all that jazz. But Kira O'Brien of the Irish Times joins me now to talk through what we saw on Tuesday. Kira, uh, firstly, for those who haven't heard or seen anything about Skyglass, what's
3: the vision behind it and what makes it different? So what SkyGlass will do is it replaces the dish, the set-top box, with a TV. And that might seem a bit unusual to people, but there are people out there at the moment who can't get Sky TV because maybe they live in an apartment block, or maybe they're somewhere that doesn't allow satellite dishes or or any kind of digital dish to be mounted on the house. Or maybe the the service just doesn't extend to them. Maybe they have a bad line of sight or, you know, the the reception is bad. This is supposed to solve that. So what it does is it takes all those those elements, the set-top box and the... The, uh, the, the dish. And instead of all that, you have a TV and Sky is built into the TV. So it's a separate product from SkyQ. It's not an upgrade as such. It's just a different product. So you will have your Sky TV mounted on your wall uh, or you know, sitting on a stand. And then you have what they call pucks to have in other rooms of the house where you have other TVs so you get your multi room viewing and you'll be able to stream the TV basically to those pucks now the difference here is obviously because you have no dish and you have no set up box how is the signal getting to your TV it uses your broadband connection now for people who are in bad broadband areas obviously this is not going to be it is not going to be a product that they can they can use um, you'll, still be, you'll still have to go the traditional route. You'll still have to get the dish. But if you have a decent broadband connection, and look, it doesn't really have to be um, a massively fast connection. They basically say a minimum broadband speed of uh, 25 megabits a second for the Ultra HDR and their Dolby Atmos pack. So that's, a, you know, if you really want to get the best out of the TV, you have to have a minimum of 25 megabits a second. For most people, that will be fine. But again, I mean, I know you've talked about this before on, on different shows, on, on News Talk about, you know, what your 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 connection actually means and what you should be looking for. That's what you need to have as a minimum to your box or to your to your, to your TV, sorry, because there is no box, but to your TV, you have to have that as a minimum. It's not up to, you know, 30 megabits a second. You have to have a minimum of 25.
2: Okay. And, you know, it, that's easily, I, I was talking about this on the hard shoulder uh, during the week. You can just go to speedtest.net right now, run a speed test and kind of see what speeds you're getting. You know, we were in the same briefing and as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's it's a completely new way of doing things. There is just the one cable It is the first time Sky has brought out uh, something like this. Um, Are you excited by it? Because I said online that I was excited by it. And a few people kind of jumped down my throat a little bit going, you're just buying the hype. You know, I I actually do think it it could be a bit of a game changer when it comes to TV. Maybe not this iteration of it, but I think this design, this idea is absolutely going to shake things up.
3: Look, I, I agree. I actually do think it will. Purely because this is the first time that Sky has done a TV. They've kind of dipped their toe in the water when it comes to hardware before with speakers and stuff like that. But this is the first time they've done a a TV of their own. Um, And it's so it's built for sky now that doesn't mean that you can't use it for other stuff you can I mean you're not going to get a, a tv paid off over four years if that's how you choose to to buy it and then at the end of it if you decide you don't want sky anymore that you're left with basically a huge paperweight that's not how this works it will still work as a regular tv and it's from what I saw a, a, a decent tv it is a good tv you know it's everything that it ticks all the boxes you know it's got good sound it's got good picture it's you know it's got ultra hd it's you know it, it's got all those things. Uh, You're always going to get people who, you know, are suspicious of of anything like this. And that is also fine because, look, it's not a perfect solution for everybody. But I will say this. I lived in an apartment for years. You couldn't get Sky in the apartment. You couldn't. And at the time, you know, I wasn't really watching that much TV anyway. I wasn't that bothered by the fact that I couldn't get Sky. Uh, Now I probably would be more bothered by my choices being limited. And there are a lot of people out there who do want to have that choice this gives you that choice okay yeah you're 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 tied into sky for a couple of years to kind of justify having paid out for the tv but you still have a TV at the end of it and if you're kind of the, the type of person if you you move around a lot you know or if you live in rented accommodation and the landlord won't allow you to put a sky dish on the house and you really want sky TV this is a way of doing it it's not going to be for everybody but then nothing is you're not going to keep everybody happy mm-hmm. and whether it's all hype or not you know I mean look it's it's there are, there are some downsides and I think that they are worth mentioning if you like to have those recordings on your box the, the, obviously a TV does not have a hard drive for storage built into it so now we're moving into this playlist thing where instead of recording shows, you put them on your playlist and Sky basically says, look, this means that it will, it doesn't matter where that program is. So if you like to watch Friends and Friends moves around from to different streaming services or it's available on Sky, you'll be able to get it no matter where it's available. The issue there obviously is some of these services are going to require third party subscriptions and then some shows will eventually go off you know they'll go off streaming services or they're not available on streaming services so once they go off on demand on sky you won't be able to to see them anymore now sky says that the number of shows that that will happen for is is minimal um, but obviously it is going to come up as in the real world, obviously real world tests for users as they go along, you will find stuff that, you know, doesn't suit you as part of this package. And maybe that will be the the thing, not being able to actually physically record things to a physical hard drive in a set-top box. If that's the case, there's always ways around things. You can probably, you know, if you're any kind of techie, you could probably hook up your own solution to that. Uh, But for most people who, you know, let's face it, these days a lot of people are cutting the cord between, you know, kind of the, the terrestrial traditional TV channels and they're going straight for streaming anyway, you know, this will suit them down to the ground because it doesn't matter whether your chosen programs are on Prime or on Netflix or on Sky On Demand, you will be able to get them once you have them on your playlist and as long as they're available on those services.
2: I've yet to find a single tech product that has been brought out that says this is the perfect solution and it caters to everybody. And in our briefing on Tuesday, you know, it was very clearly stated that, you know, if having the best quality screen in the history of the universe matters to you, this is probably not for you. If you live in an area where your connection isn't the best, this probably isn't for you. And if that set-top box, you know, having the physical things recorded is, you know, life and death for you, then this is not for you. However, that's only a small portion of the population. And for the majority of people who want to sit down after a day's work, turn on the telly, find something without having to open Netflix, Disney, Amazon, whatever, whatever, whatever and then scan through all the TV. The interface on this is one of the things that I am most excited about because it's decluttered everything. There's still a huge amount of choice, but it's 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 less effort for me now to find something to watch when I get home and I'm too tired to do anything other than press, you know, the down arrow on the remote and then play.
3: That's the thing. yeah. I mean, nobody wants the effort of that. I'm so tired of scrolling through Netflix and, and Disney trying to find something that I really want to watch. Now, what Skyglass will do is give you recommendations based on your previous viewing. Um, I and mean, if that's soaps, that's fine. If that's football, that's also fine. What I would like to see and what I, w- I want to say is, you know, how much of a mess we can make of this when we all have such different viewing tastes in my house. So, for example, my children. You know, obviously the products, the, the programs that they are watching are not the same programs that I would like to watch, with the exception of the new series of Bluey, because I'm I'm going to admit, and I have admitted this in public before, I have watched that without them because they're noisy uh, and they interrupt and they laugh a lot. And I just want to watch Bluey in peace. Thank you very much. But with the exception of stuff like that, you know, like, we all watch very different things. My husband likes to watch sports, likes to watch football. I yeah, I can take it or leave it. Uh, I like to watch, you know. Shows about is a cake or is it a real thing on Netflix? And he's not that keen on reality TV shows, so I'd be interested to see how that works in terms of you know if there's no kind of profiles like say you have on Virgin Media it gives you the chance to have different profiles, so you can set different favourites for, uh, for different people. I would be interested to see how much of a mess we can make of recommendations when we are all looking at different programs. Now, what they did say is you know it will be kind of it, based on a few things like the time of day that you're watching as well so they're not going to start showing if you sit down to 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 turn on the tv uh, which apparently has all sorts of sensors in it so it'll automatically turn on as you walk past it that kind of a deal you know so it's that kind of advanced but it's not going to show say uh recommendations for the walking dead in your your recommended tv viewing if it's you know one o'clock in the day Mm -hmm. it'll you know, it, it, it would be context kind of specific. So like maybe it might show those at nine o'clock at night so to know that you watch this kind of thing in, in the evening rather than in the middle of the day, uh, which um, that obviously is important to me as well because I don't want my kids accessing content like that. Obviously, you can get around that by pin protecting, you know, all those those um older rated tv shows but still you know sometimes even the thumbnails of those can be kind of uh, terrifying for smaller children Mm -hmm. so you know stuff like that I'd like to see how that works in the real world um but again again it's not going to please everybody you can't please everybody it's it's impossible to please everybody and the company that manages to crack that whatever product it is you know I will back it myself with my own money because clearly they're onto a winning formula but again, you know, it's, it's unlikely to happen. So I feel fairly safe saying that. Somebody, I'm sure somebody will tell me something is, you know, has universal appeal, but there's always a criticism of the product somewhere. So no, you, this isn't for everybody. You're not going to, to, to please everybody. And particularly if you do want those recordings, you know, and you, you want to have those on a, a a hard drive in a set-top box this isn't for you but uh, likewise you also don't have to go in and clear all the recordings off your hard drive and if you do then go to a different if like i've had hard drives on boxes fail so we've had to change up to a different box and if you do change over to a new tv if in a few years time and they bring out another version of the sky glass tv if you want to upgrade it because everything is cloud-based um and everything is kind of linked to your account that way and there's no physical recordings it means you don't lose those playlists they come with you which is, you know, the, it's a small thing, but it's, you know, it's something that is important to me because I just really hate having to rebuild all that content, you know, particularly kids' content after I, um, after I change a box or you know we upgrade the box. And again, I think it is important to say this isn't an upgrade to Sky Q. If you have Sky Q and you're happy with it, fine. You know, nobody's going to force you off it. It's not like, I mean, it, I think there's even this. We were talking about this at at the briefing. There is people still on the old Sky Plus. Subscription service, um, and that predates Sky Q, obviously. Um, you know that there, there's. I think they were saying there's less than ten percent of of the customers are still on that service. But you know, you can still hang on to your old service, um, and also. The, with the Sky Glass TV, once you buy it and you've paid for it, if you pay for it outright or you pay for it in installments, once it's paid for, it's yours. Um, it, unlike the equipment at the moment, if you, uh, if you decide to, to, to cut off your Sky Q subscription, you have to return the equipment to Sky because Sky own the equipment. Mm. With this, you don't, like this is your TV. So if you decide in four years' time or five years' time that there's a better service out there for you and you want to move on to a different uh, TV provider, there's nothing that stops you from doing that as far as uh, as far as we've been told anyway
2: yeah and i think you know we've kind of i have probably been a bit too defensive on it because uh some of the reaction when i was talking about it earlier in the week but you know we see products every day of the week we see smartphones we see laptops we see tablets we see smartwatches vacuum cleaners everything this is something that has come along and has changed how things are done uh, in the world of tv and i think It is right to be excited about it. and I also think, you know, although there will be some people who won't like it, I think the majority of people will be interested in it, particularly those people, Kira, you mentioned, who might still be on the Sky uh, Q or Sky Plus packages and haven't bought a new TV in a few years. It could just be a simple solution to shimmy on over to a new TV that will be far superior to what they already have and then gives them a better, easier,
3: newer way of accessing the content they want to watch. Yeah. And I think as well, it's important to know that that a lot of people, when they walk into to to buy a TV, I mean, even when I was buying a new TV about a year ago, like when you walk into um, an electrical store and you're looking at all these TVs on the wall, it's very difficult to pick out the one that suits you best. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, most people have very simple simple, very, very, very simple requirements, as in, you know, make it look good, make it sound good. Do I have to have a soundbar? With Sky Glass, they're saying, you know, you don't actually have to have a soundbar anymore either because the built-in speakers are that good. Now, we got a demo of it and it was very impressive, I would like to see how it does in my own living room to kind of get a better idea. But, you know, you don't have to have a lot, a lot of people would have a sound bar because maybe the, the TV is so thin that the speakers are while they're good, they're not the best. And you want to have fantastic sound. It's compatible with Dolby Atmos. Um, again, that is not important to a lot of people. They just want decent sound, decent picture, and they want something simple. They don't want something that's massively over the top and they don't need to have an engineering degree to set it up, to keep it updated as well. Because, you know, this is the other thing. Every so often I get this pop up on my TV screen saying there's a software update. And to be honest, I keep skipping it because I'm not actually using the on TV software. You know, it's not something that that's particularly important to me. I probably should update it. I will get around to updating it eventually. But, you know, for a lot of people, they don't want the hassle of all that. They just want something that works. Mm-hmm. and you know if this is this fulfills their needs brilliant if it doesn't you know go for your life find a tv that that ticks all your boxes um you know that you know will give you that the the best picture you know down to like the, the the quantum dots on the screen but you know if you want an oled tv you know they're still too expensive for me, but they're, they're, they're coming down in price all the time. OLED is, you know, as, as you know, I mean, OLED is, is, is the gold standard for TVs at the moment, but, you know, not everybody wants to spend out that amount of money on a TV. So this will, will do it. I mean, and, and the Sky Glass TV comes in, it comes in three different sizes and a few different colors. So if you want a pink TV, you can have a pink TV. If you want a blue yeah. TV, you can have a blue TV. Um, uh, Things like this, while some people will scoff at that, Things like this are important to some people and, you know, there has to be something that kind of fits their needs as well. You know, it can't all just be about the kind of the nerdy side of things that I love, that you love. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just like, does it come in the color that I like and does it have a good picture and a good speaker? And for a lot of people, That's all
2: they want. Yeah, 100%. And it's worth noting as well just for those kind of people that the remote uh, matches the colour of the TV that you decide which is very exciting. Um, I love that. I really like that. You were the one who pointed it out and the second you saw it I was like, oh my God, that's very exciting. Uh, So look, it shows that we kind of see both sides of the coin and the value of all of those different bits and pieces. Uh, We will have more on SkyQ on next week's program. Uh, I will be sitting down with uh, Fraser Sterling, who is the global chief product officer at Sky, to talk through the design of it, the concept of it, all of the different aspects that we've touched upon here, and we will of course have a full review after we've got to use it uh, for a longer period of time. But in the meantime, Keir uh, O'Brien from the Irish Times, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks for having me. Coming up next here on News Talk, what's new in the world of gaming?
1: Tech Talk on News Talk.
0: With VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertis.ie forward slash VMware.
2: Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. As ever, if you want to get in touch, you can email me techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at jesskellynt. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, uh, later on we're going to hear from the organiser of GamerFest, which is taking place this October. Uh, it promises to be an incredible spectacle. I'm hoping to go along and see what it has to offer. But uh, in keeping with the theme of gaming, uh, John Riley, editor of The effect.net is with me now. John, how are you?
0: Very good, Jess. How are you?
2: I'm good. Um, I was saying earlier this week, this is like a super crazy time of year in terms of technology in general. Because we're in the back to school, back to college mode, yeah. uh, we obviously had the Samsung foldable launch recently. Mm-hmm. We were at a Sky briefing earlier this week as we, well. We were. There's a lot going on.
0: But then there isn't. But d- then there's not. I know it kind of sounds like a counterintuitive statement. Like, because I was working on my pieces for this, and I was like, in terms of gaming, like they know gamers and people in general are out, out, you know, out and about, mm-hmm. doing that, not inside playing games and such. So yeah. it's always been a, a time of year where. Big launches and big events don't necessarily happen, and that's all. Except that all makes sense because mm-hmm. people are out and about, in the weather we've been having. You know, you wouldn't want to be stuck to a screen, even though I do, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's yeah, very busy, but then not a lot of happening in a kind of weird way. But yeah, the sky stuff and all the other stuff is exciting. It's you know, the, you know it's coming kicking back into the autumn, and the people are getting back yeah. into their homes. So it's nice to see this stuff happening.
2: I think people are always interested to find that there is a schedule to the madness that is the world of technology gaming motoring like all of that sort of stuff it does follow a calendar Yeah. Um, you know some people were on to me on Instagram going oh we've got no S launch at the Samsung launch like that, that, that's always in the first part of the year and yeah. this is in the other part of the year yeah. and gaming's like that as well you've told us about like there are big moments throughout the entire year where different um companies will do different launches there are different big events it's the is it E3 that's yes. the one that we were talking about before
0: yeah that was kind of semi-virtual it was yeah, a bit of a weird one this year, but yeah, it's kind of trying to find its legs again. That's usually June, middle yeah. of summer in LA. One of the biggest ones that's been on the go for, for decades, basically. Um, and now even you know, today we're going to talk, be talking about Gamescom, which E3 kind of gets all the fanfare. But Gamescom is equally, if not, it is the biggest gaming event in the world. Um, happening in Cologne in Germany next week so that's going to be enormous. Um, again we're not expecting groundbreaking like new consoles to be announced or anything like mm-hmm. that but some really significant games and kind of updates to titles that gamers are going to be excited about for you know the coming months and into the into the years ahead.
2: What kind of things are like do, do we have a list of expectations that we're ex- uh, expecting and excited to hear from this?
0: Well one of the key things there's a guy called Jeff Keighley he's one of the kind of the biggest head honchos in when it comes to the world of gaming he hosts loads of events he does a thing called Summers, Summer Games Fest which kind of is a catch-all for all the different events that are happening across the summer and then come December he has what is basically the Oscars of the gaming world just called the Game Awards which are they're incredibly big budget you know the viewerships are on the hundreds of millions of people like it's huge but he will be hosting the opening night of Gamescom next week and he's kind of alluded to a a brand new Sonic game called Sonic Frontiers so it's kind of like an open world Sonic game still looking a bit rough around the edges. So people are really hoping that with the Sonic movies and the kind of the resurgence that Sonic is seeing in mm-hmm. general, that it's going to be a title worth picking up. So we're going to see some proper gameplay of that along with some other titles, kind of a bit more niche. Um, you'll probably see maybe a bit of Hogwarts is going to be there, the new Hogwarts Legacy game, which we're going to talk about in a mm-hmm. bit as well. That's going to be a big win. But again, that's been pushed into the new year. So, you know, there will be some good stuff. I'm going to be watching and I'm going to be seeing you know where the studios are going, what the way they're pushing their kind of IP content, because it's a big kind of drive towards kind of, like the cinema industry and like, you know, MC, the MC universe or the Marvel universe we see in cinema taking over cinema. Gaming is focusing more and more on these branded IP titles, not taking risks, unfortunately. So they're kind of creating the sequels, creating the remasters to kind of make sure they're not kind of going out on a, on a limb too much that it just it backfires on them.
2: Yeah, it's funny. We, we've spoken quite a bit over the years about like different iterations of Spider-Man, for example. Yeah. Um and it is something that, like like my nephew at the moment, he's six and he's obsessed with Pokemon cards, so I'm spending more time in GameStop buying Pokemon cards, uh, which means I'm getting to see a lot of the titles that are on display. And there is an element of that of, oh, it's a new version of that one, it's a new version of that one, it's a new version of that one. There's very few new titles that I'm kind of going... Oh, I must get my hands on that.
0: Well, yeah, that's kind of it. Like, it's going to be a... a Which isn't a bad thing necessarily,
2: no, no. but it's just that excitement factor, you know, that thing of, geez, we haven't seen this before.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to reinvent the wheel as such. It's going to be, everything's going to be a reimagining or a reinterpretation of something that's previously been done. But as you said, that isn't a bad thing. Some things, some incredibly, incredibly creative people come up with incredibly creative ways of of looking at a, a kind of a genre or a game kind of style in a different way that you're like, oh, well, that actually works. Even last night I was playing a game called Rollerdrome which is kind of tricky for me to say but it's on the PlayStation and you're it's it's like a skateboard sorry it's like a, um, a not skateboarding but rollerblading game and you're in this kind of like rollerblading but then it turns into you have to shoot people mm. so like and the only way you can give get ammo is by performing tricks so you have to like go up and do like a 180 trick off with your rollerblades off these ramps. And then when you come back down, you've got like six or seven more bullets to take out the bad guys. It's kind of...
2: What a it, way to ruin a lovely activity <laughs> that is rollerblading.
0: But it's all, it's not too graphic. It's all very um, kind of animated and, very, and there's no blood as such. It's all kind of um, abstract or cell shaded or, you know, it's not yeah. too gruesome. But it's just like, quirky, but it's really well done in terms of its execution. But uh, yeah, again, that's something I never thought I'd see. is like a game where you're you're shooting people as you rollerblade. Um you got to hand it to these people who make these games. You just have to go, in and go grab one genre and grab something else and smash Mash them it together. together yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> See what you could end up with. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about recently as well is when there is that crossover with um, like something like Sonic, for example, that is now a big movie franchise. I know it's always kind of been around as a, yep. as a character and all the rest, but it's obviously worth a lot of money. They've made a few of them now. They're investing a lot. How much is... The, or is it or, or do you know is the game dictated by the movie like ha-
0: there's no correlation as such the movies kind of became their own little entity it was kind of a, an origin because st- they were starting from scratch in inverted commas for yeah. Sonic and his story and it was all you know they're using the characters obviously and they're using mm. the enemies and that but the games don't really relate all that much at all to what's happening in the movies so yeah. it gives both of them kind of uh, freed, you know, creative freedom so yes. they're not too tight like and even like, but we know Marvel is incredibly uh, interwoven between its shows and its movies, but even the games then are allowed to kind of go off and do their own thing. Like the that Spider Man game doesn't actually connect at all to the MCU universe as such in terms of storylines. It's the same characters again, but there's no kind of ca- cross kind of pollination or cross kind of uh, stories happening.
2: Okay. You mentioned their uh, Hogwarts legacy. Yes. So anything with Hogwarts, I actually was listening to uh, Stephen Fry reading a Harry Potter book on my way in today. And um, but just tell us again, what is this, and uh, when will we be getting it?
0: Yeah, so this is Hogwarts Legacy is a huge open world title that's coming uh, to the next gen consoles, and I'm, if I'm correct, maybe even the last gen consoles. I just have to double check, but it was been it's been announced for. A couple of years now.
2: Yeah I feel like we've touched upon this before. We, yeah
0: we have and it's you know everything I've seen so far it looks very impressive it looks like it's going to be incredibly well polished and to that point people there was no actual expected or there was no set date for this year but there was a, it was heavily in, in, insinuated that it was going to launch mm-hmm. the latter end of this year for the Christmas market for the C word uh, but they have just come out and said no look we have to push it on into the, into the new year it's going to be January now before this game is available to Why? people Um they say just further refinement, further polish um, needed. And again, it's kind of going back to that cyberpunk game we spoke yes, about, Cyberpunk okay. 2077. It's just not worth it putting out an unfinished title because Twitter, the internet and the trolls, and and not even just trolls, just people that are paying hard-earned cash for an 80-year-old oh, title. Oh, it's not acceptable, It's yeah. not acceptable. So you wouldn't go to a movie that's half-finished, so...
2: But I think, and I know I say this to you every time, I think the point of frustration is when we do our sit-down in January and we look ahead and you bring us all these titles that we're expecting, you know, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, yeah. fourth quarter, and people do get their hopes up. And then people mm. will say, do you know what, I'm not going to buy a game because, again, they're very expensive. Yeah. I know, I've done this in the past. I'd be like, do you know what, I'm not going to buy a new game this month because I really want this one that's due out yeah. in two months' time. Yeah, yeah, And so if you're doing that, you know, I just think it's it's... Sometimes it's a bit of an overhype beforehand and yeah. you get too many teasers and you get too many little snippets and yeah. all the rest and then it doesn't deliver and it doesn't deliver and then after Christmas when you're broke,
0: bang, there it is. That's when it comes out. I know it's, it's there's a there's a lot of things at play here. Um, there's a case of, I, I think I spoke about this before in the show, that gamers are seeing all these delays because it's not just, mm-hmm. there's multiple big titles that were meant to come out this year that have been pushed into, the, into, the ne- into next year and the more and more I see this happening, the more and more I see the conversation going, God, I'm glad, like not that they're glad they're like, okay, that gives me a bit more room to finish the games I haven't finished. okay because yeah otherwise it was just going to become oversaturated and you just wouldn't have time and they'd be eating into each other's uh, market share like because I you know there is rumors going around that there's you know there is a huge title called God of War Ragnarok launching on the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 later this year in, in November. Okay. And no, one, no studio would say it, but they're all kind of saying, oh, we'd like to push our game into the new year just to polish it off a bit more. But it's kind of studios and developers um, being kind of strategic because they're like, there's no point going up against this juggernaut. We're going to lose... I, you know, people are, are going to. It's pick like bringing
2: that. a movie out when the, if, if there was another Harry Potter yeah. in the cinema, kind of thing. You would
0: dodge it like the plague. Yeah. So this is exactly what they feel. Some studios, even big studios, and more so the the smaller studios, are dodging that that kind of two week window, if not four week window, in November to stay, so that they don't lose the opportunity to be picked up by gamers in the new year, maybe because you say you're broke in the new year but if people want titles they're going to pick the title up and they're going to wait till it comes out because there's fan bases for each of these. So Yeah,
2: I it, suppose yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Remind us what the God of War Ragnarok is.
0: God of War Ragnarok is the sequel to a 2018 title just basically called God of War uh, which was hugely successful on the PlayStation 4. Um, it won, God, you know, Endless Game of the Year Awards. It was a fantastically well-created title in its own right, stunning on the PlayStation, as you'd imagine, as an exclusive title. So people have been like, and when I say that the anticipation for this title is through the roof, it's mm. nuts because now we're four years in and we're finally going to get its sequel coming to PS Five and PS Four. So they're capturing that install base of like a hundred and God, was it like hundred and twenty million consoles of PS Four consoles there, and then we're looking at the PS Five, which is sitting around twenty-one or so million. So you've got like maybe one hundred and forty people. Okay. 140 million consoles that you can sell this title for. Um, it's going to be absolutely enormous so it's going to just eat up all the air um, or suck up all the air in the room when it, when it comes out so people are, I guess, almost rightfully avoiding it and I, you know, I for one, can't wait to see. It's, it's going to be a cinematic spectacle really for, for gaming again like oh. the first one was.
2: Very exciting. Okay, well obviously we'll bring you the full review of that when uh, John has time to play it or has got his hands on it. Yeah. Um, finally then, Xbox Game Pass. I feel like we're talking about this a lot But I'm intrigued, so I've been testing it out myself, the the Game Pass, right? And it makes pure sense. Yeah, It's just one of those things that if you are a gamer, as we've mentioned a few times already, these titles are expensive, get yourself the Game Pass, dip in, dip out, you're laughing
0: yeah like the value for money I, we've always banged on about it and, the, and I know we spoke about Game Pass a lot before but it's only because Xbox are continuously adding to it developing it mm-hmm. um, updating it or changing it to be more beneficial to the consumer so they really are working for the consumer here so with Game Pass it's one of the only subscriptions I pay for personally I of my own because I just see the value there there's so many good first party titles that are launching kind of regularly on it I know it's going to be quiet in the last couple of months but again mm-hmm. things are going to kick up in the new year but why we're talking about them today is because for, you, for your family. Or your listeners who have a family of gamers, and just say, you, mom or Dad has a subscription to this uh, service, and it's about 13 euro a month for the for the ultimate package." Mm-hmm. They've now they are now trialling a, a family plan for this subscription service. So instead of paying 13 euro per person in your house, you can pay just 22 euro, 21.99, and you can put four people. On that plan. So if you've like yourself and then four, you know, your kids and your wife or whoever, mm. or whatever kind of gaming house setup you have, you can save quite a bit of money. You can really come down to almost €5.50 or so each a month instead of €13. Euro. And again, everyone has access to all the full range of titles. They have access to the cloud gaming aspect, so they can play all these games on their tablets, their phones, and their bedrooms, wherever it may be. So it's again, it's really giving back value to the Xbox consumer base that you're kind of looking after these families that, uh, there is the one caveat though because I thought everyone would be jumping on this bandwagon and if say you've Game Pass and I've Game Pass we're like why don't we just get the family plan yeah. and split it no the people you're adding to this plan need, aren't allowed to have had a Game Pass subscription already so you're setting you're signing them up for the first time to Game Pass.
2: Okay, but so, if we hadn't, if we didn't already have it, you could, could get, we do that? Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah, you would have you'd been I would have Game Pass for however long, and then you you wanted to sign up to Game Pass, but I was like, well, you haven't done it yet, so you can come onto my account, onto my family plan. We both live in Ireland, and it's it's done by geographical locations. So you all have to live in Ireland to do this as okay. well and uh, yeah they're trialing it here but it'll be rolled out internationally so here in Colombia they're actually trialing it as just a test bed
2: and just explain for people because someone who's never sort of engaged with this before might be wondering well why can't I just use your login like you could use my login for Netflix for example
0: yeah it's basically kind of like the Netflix packages where the more you pay the more screens you can watch Netflix on at the same time so basically yeah if, if I'm not playing and you want to play a game you could just use the same the single subscription but if you are going to be online playing with your friends and I want to be playing Forza Horizon in another room on my tablet, you need those additional accounts to do that at, at the same time. You can't use the same account or gamer tag, it's mm-hmm. called for, for you know for different activities as such. You couldn't be playing at the same time IOS without separate accounts.
2: Yeah, so look, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that you know, I was a bit dubious initially to see uh gaming companies go down the subscription model. I know everybody is going down. Yeah. We're gonna have a subscription for everything in the future. There's mm-hmm. no denying it. Uh but if you are a serious gaming household or yeah. again if there's periods of the year where you know everyone's going to be gaming at the same time and so on yeah. it is worth just signing up for the month get yeah. your value of it and then you can unsubscribe easily as exactly. well.
0: Exactly, you can get four people on the house for 21 euro or 22 quid for the month and you, all four of you can be playing whatever game like a 100 game catalogue plus online whatever Yes, yeah, so the value is definitely there.
2: Awesome stuff. Uh, if you want to read uh, more gaming news reviews and wider tech reviews as well, you can head over to TheEffect.net. Uh, before I let you go, uh, we were hearing from Kira O'Brien earlier in the show about Sky Glass. I know you were at that briefing, as I mentioned. Yeah. I- I'm trying to ask this question to everybody I see that's seen it so far. What are your first impressions?
0: I'm annoyingly impressed because I'm just so impressed at how they've done it so well for the first iteration I'm like I'm not like I'm just I mean it's annoyingly well built mm-hmm. and all that kind of it's kind of a weird phrase turn a phrase but they've done such a nice job of both the hardware which is obviously it's a hu- huge new TV in four three different sizes but then the software they were they've been killing it on Sky Q for years so now to see what they they really kind of cranked it up a notch for the, the, the interface mm-hmm. and just how painless and idiot-proof it is really to sit all your apps together on this homepage and you you can go through every they, they have such partnerships they have every single popular streaming app available in Ireland all talking to each other and all sitting alongside each other that it just, it makes it so much easier for users out there that we are the top 6%, I think they referenced us in in the briefing because we know our tech, we know where the streaming services are and how to get them but some people just want it all in one place Mm -hmm. and painless so it's not a Chromecast here and a Fire Stick here and an Apple TV there, it's all in one place so all that rolled into one with a with a TV that genuinely is impressive for what it is, with a soundbar and all that, I'm I'm very impressed, I have to say.
2: Uh, one question that I asked um, was in relation to gaming and so on. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> because uh, there's a, there's been a few, like just before we came into the studio here, one of my colleagues asked the question as well about it not being an OLED screen. Yeah. Um, from what you've seen and what you know, and I know we don't have them yet to test long term, but do you anticipate the quality of the screen being a barrier for gaming on it?
0: I haven't really d- dived directly into like the capabilities of the panel in terms of like six. I think it's a 60 hertz panel, so you can't do 120 hertz gaming. But then you're going to get HDR, you're going to get the 4K resolution, you're going to get the Dolby Vision capabilities um, with the HDMI port that's there. If I'm if I know correctly, so if you are like a diehard gamer like I would be, I obviously have a fancy LG OLED at home, 65 inch, and I just know that's one of the best models for gaming out there. But again, for the, the vast majority of the population. If yeah, you're pr-
2: you are the exception. I am the exception. Even above me when it comes to gaming yeah. and all the rest, you would be the level above.
0: I'm, yeah, I, want to ju- I know I have the best of the best and I've done all my research and I know exactly what I need to kind of get to make sure I'm, not, I'm getting the best out of the consoles. But that's not to say it's giving me any better of a gaming experience mm-hmm. than people that were connecting up to this panel because... Most people, I am the exception to the exception, most people will be more than happy. Like the sound that they're going to get and the picture quality, as you said, it's not an OLED, it's a Q, quantum dot LED or whatever, which is still incredibly impressive. They showed us that room with the F1 clip playing yeah. and the, the lights were off and when they cut to black on the screen, I thought it was an OLED for a minute because the blacks were so black. So I they could have built a crap telly and just stuck the Sky software inside it and be like, well, do you know what? It's good value for money. We're not giving you the bells and whistles, but they did. I think they like the panel is very impressive.
2: Yeah, I am. I know I've said it a million times this week here on East Talk, but I am very excited about it. And uh, we will, of course, bring you an in-depth review when we've had a bit more time for it. But uh, I just wanted to kind of get that first impression yeah, no, from your side as well because yeah, I do think am. people are interested. Impressed, uh, John.
0: As always, thanks a million. Always no cheers, Jess. Tech Talk on News Talk with VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertis.ie forward slash VMware.
2: Yeah, this is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Uh, If you want to get in touch, you'll find me on Twitter or Instagram at Jess Kelly NT. And a quick reminder that I do a weekly Q&A Every Monday, uh, answering your tech questions. So if you do have a specific query or you're looking for a product recommendation, head on over to Instagram, search for @jesskellynt, and keep an eye out for that Q and A box. Uh, just before the break, we were chatting to John Riley of TheEffect.net about news from the world of gaming, and we're going to stick with gaming now because GamerFest is back. This is an incredible event, and if you're interested in the world of gaming, it's probably already on your radar, uh, but it's taking place in the RDS on the 22nd and 23rd of October. Uh, tickets are available on Gamerfest.ie, and I'm delighted to say the CEO of Gamerfest, Stuart Dempsey, is with me now. Uh, Stuart, you're very, very welcome to the show. Uh, for those who haven't had the pleasure of attending yet, uh, what is Gamerfest all about?
1: Uh, well, GamerFest is Ireland's biggest gaming festival, um, we set it up in 2017 uh, here in Galway. I'm based in Galway myself, um, so my own background would be marketing and event management. So in 2017, I was on the lookout to um, set up a business myself. Um, I saw the growth of these huge international gaming events internationally, and I felt there was a gap in the Irish market to do something similar. So I uh, launched GamerFest in 2017, um, part-time, I was still in a, a marketing role at the time, So we ran our first event here in the Galmont Hotel in Galway, uh, November 2017. We had uh, 1,500 people at it, um, and it was profitable. So we decided to go again the following year in Limerick in the Strand Hotel. And uh, same results, just shy of 2,000 people there. And again, the event was profitable. So shortly after, decided to take the plunge um, and do it full time. And our most recent event was at the RDS in Dublin um, pre-COVID. Um, So that went really well. We had a comfortable sellout there of 5,000 people and we felt at the time we were really well positioned to to scale the business, but obviously um, the pandemic happened and um, a huge setback. But we're delighted now that we're back again at the RDS uh, this October 22nd and 23rd. Uh, GamerFest is a really diverse and inclusive event uh, with a really large range of content um, for the gaming community. So the event includes uh, our live stage which would be the heartbeat of the event and um, where we would have special guests and content creators doing panel discussions uh, and appearances. Uh, we would also have an expo at the event where game publishers and brands can come and showcase the latest games and products so visitors to the event can get hands-on uh, with the latest tech. Uh, VR gaming is also really popular um, so that would be immersive sim racing, um flight simulation uh, gaming, um a whole range of VR activities there. Um, we would also have a big uh, eSports uh, tournament series at the event. So we'd run a range of games there from FIFA to Rocket League to Rainbow Six Siege, where people can participate in tournaments um, and win prizes and ultimately then um, participate in the live stage uh, final uh, across the weekend. So really, uh, really packed weekend of gaming entertainment. We're delighted to have it back. After such a long break, the anticipation amongst the gaming community now is is absolutely massive because it gives people an opportunity to get back into a live event scenario uh, to meet all the people that they have um, great online relationships with, friendships with, um, with whom they game online. So, um, yeah, really excited. We've got some great partners on board as well, including LucasAid as title partner, and we have Air Confirmed as our official broadband partner. So great to see these brands getting behind the Irish gaming community as well. So things are shaping up really well and looking forward to October.
2: Yeah, it sounds great. And I know there is a huge anticipation in the world of gaming about it. Uh, we often talk about gaming on the show and you mentioned there the gaming community. Can you just tell us who is within the gaming community in terms of demographics, interest levels and so on?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because, um, you know, I think in a lot of quarters you you would still have um this kind of cliched view of a gamer as a, a teenager in their basement um, on their own and uh, not engaging with the outside world, uh, whereas the truth is, is the complete opposite. I mean, the, the gaming community in Ireland now, it's, it's really uh, an extension of the overall um, community in the country, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, gaming now um, is establishing itself as part of pop culture, as important as music or fashion. Um, Young people, and when I say young people, I mean Gen Z, you know, kind of uh, 16 years plus, um, oftentimes now they're using gaming as a way to engage with each other online, uh, to socialize. So friends would play games online while talking to each other. Um, I think the pandemic um, really saw a surge. In the popularity of gaming because you know young people were in lockdown they didn't have the opportunity to to meet up and socialize so gaming really offered them an opportunity to stay connected online to play games and i think even parents um, and i'm a parent myself that would have been very skeptical skeptical about gaming um saw the value of it particularly during the pandemic so you know the people we see at gamer fest they come from all facets of life yes i mean you have obviously uh you know, kids in secondary school, you have third level students, university students, and then you have young professionals. And, you know, we have executives from, you know, big business attending the events as well. We had a really uh, great partnership with OnPost Money last year, for example. And it was really interesting when OnPost announced um, their gaming partnership with us internally. Uh, you know, they were shocked at the amount of people that actually came forward with OnPost P- on and, uh, and said, you know, they love gaming. They're really excited to see the partnership. And as I say, some of them were senior executives. So it it really does transcend um, Ireland as a whole. Um, and it's, it's something we've been able to tap into. So it's it's gone brilliantly well so far.
2: Yeah, my eyes were definitely opened to the wider world of gaming in recent years. And one of the things you listed there is eSports, which is a huge area. Um, A few months ago, I spoke to Munster Rugby about their efforts and investments in this space. There is a significant level of interest, money, skill, like it's growing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the popularity of eSports, which is competitive gaming um, has absolutely surged um, in the last five years and uh, it's continuing to do so. And, you know, you're getting multinational brands, um, you know, allocating significant spend towards uh, sponsorship of those events. You know, everyone from MasterCard to Mercedes Benz, because they recognize now that you know gen z for example this younger audience they're becoming more and more difficult to um to engage with so you have to go where they are and a lot of them now are engaged in in esports so with the with the quantities of sponsorship spend now being allocated to esports the prize money um is getting ever greater the rewards are getting ever greater so you have um, even traditional teams like Munster uh, Munster Rugby that you mentioned uh, now have their own esports team Um, another leading esports team in Ireland would be Wild Esports you probably saw earlier in the year they confirmed Usain Bolt um, as an investor which was phenomenal Uh, Natives Gaming would be another um, leading Irish esports team so it really is big business and in terms of prize money you know, the, the one that I usually quote is the Fortnite World Cup that happened a couple of years back. Um, it was won by a U.S. teenager um, and he won three million dollars for winning that tournament um, in 2019 pre-COVID. So that was more than, you know, the winner of Wimbledon. Um, It was more than the winner of the Tour de France. So in many cases now, the, in many cases, the, the revenues and the rewards of esports um, are exceeding traditional sports. So it's absolutely a booming market. It's something we cater to here in uh at Gamerfest. So we facilitate up and coming Irish talent um taking part in these tournaments at GamerFest. It gives them a platform to get their name out there. We put up prizes and it's it's really great entertainment for the crowd at Gamerfest. They get to see the esports tournaments on the live stage, and you know, the excitement and the buzz is no different than a traditional sport. You know, you've got the crowd cheering for their favorite players. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's it's massive business and um you know, it's it's seeing just exceptional growth every single year.
2: Another thing that factors into the assumptions, I suppose, that people have about gaming is that it's all about the consoles. So whether that is a PlayStation, Xbox or Switch, but PC gaming is obviously a huge part of it all. Um, do you have that represented there at GamerFest as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, in fact, Ireland is probably lagging a little bit behind um, other European countries in terms of, Um, The number of PC gamers in Ireland, I think Ireland and the UK are both very much or have traditionally been very much uh, console gaming led. Um, So, as you say, PlayStation and Xbox, but the adoption of PC gaming, um, which is primarily used um, for those top esports titles, you need to be gaming on Uh, PCs in order to really be competitive in those tournaments Um, it is becoming more and more popular in Ireland Um, the expertise in often cases is is not quite here yet we have a a UK company coming over Um, they're bringing uh, I think it's 70 um, top-end gaming PCs for the event so we're going to be using their PCs on the live stage Um, for our esports finals we're going to be using them in the expo as well with our partners so that visitors can get hands on with the latest games. So PC gaming really is um, getting a lot of traction in Ireland now. And as you say, um, it is the focus for those, those top-end esports uh, tournaments.
2: I know this was an annual event up until COVID came in and wrecked it all, uh, as it did so many things, but give me a bit of insight into what goes into producing something like this. How far in advance are you working on it and what does it take to make it all come together?
1: Yeah, it's obviously a a significant amount of work. We've got a really good team in place. Um, But, you know, coming off the back of the pandemic, obviously, was very challenging because not only did we have to, um, you know, put the event on the shelf like every other live event. You're constantly then trying to anticipate, well, what dates can we do the event next? You're trying to anticipate when will restrictions lift because you do need that lead in time. Um, in order to, you know, create your marketing plan for ticket sales. You need to get partners on board, um, as you mentioned. So it's been really challenging. So it was probably started this year. It started to look like, okay, October is going to be a runner for us. And from there, then, you know, getting the wheels turning of the event after such a long break, I likened it to getting an oil tanker moving again because uh, it was almost like starting from scratch. Whereas when you're in that annual kind of uh, flow, you're you're doing the event every year and you're adding to it but this year was a little bit different it was almost like starting from scratch again um but the the engagement from partners from everybody has been phenomenal and as i said having great partners like LucasAid and air involved now really shows that these amazing brands are seeing the value of gaming they want to get behind the gaming community so it's fantastic to have them on board and you know, in terms of special guests, we have a lot of work to do there. We're confirming them all the time, which is great. You're engaging with game publishers um, to make sure you have the latest content. And that's something that's been um, really positive this year. We have official partnerships with um, Ubisoft, Riot Games, EA Games, who'd be leading international game publishers. And you know, in the past, they might have had their focus on the UK market, but it's it's really great to see them now uh, engaging with Irish events. So that's really positive. So we've lots to do before October, but we're in a good place um, and we're really looking forward to it.
2: You mentioned some of the gaming houses there and you know Ubisoft, for example, is such a huge one. Um, when you approach brands and businesses like that, is Ireland on their radar in terms of a gaming community?
1: Uh, I think it is, but you know, Like a lot of things with the irish market we are a small island um we are a small market for for global brands so you know it can be a challenge but really we've been fortunate that since 2017 since we were running our small community events in in galway and limerick and then on to dublin we've been able to build those relationships over time um if you can imagine a a live gaming event you know any brand getting involved whether it's a publisher um, or a consumer brand you know they want to make sure that the event is really well run so you need to develop that track record and that credibility so it's it's been an incremental process um, from our point of view at least in, in getting the uh, the publishers involved but we have great relationships now Um we have regular calls with them and they're looking to Ireland more and more um, to make sure that their their games are getting in front of an Irish audience so that's fantastic to see it didn't happen overnight but it's, it's great to see that we have those relationships now um, you know obviously the the big game publishers, as you mentioned, they're, they're absolute behemoths in terms of the, the games that they create. I mean, if you think that the gaming sector now is bigger than the movie and music sectors combined, it gives you an insight into how big it is. And, you know, earlier in the year, then we saw Microsoft acquiring the publisher Activision Blizzard for 70 billion dollars. That's the biggest acquisition uh, Microsoft have ever made. I think their biggest acquisition prior to that was LinkedIn for 20 billion dollars. So it just shows um, the focus and the attention that these publishers are now drawing. So for sure, they're definitely looking to Ireland more and more, which is fantastic to see.
2: Do you travel around a lot looking at, you know, other gaming events around the world or keeping an eye on the key trends? Like what, what goes into your day to day when you're not, you know, just a month out or two months out from uh, an annual event?
1: Well, certainly we keep an eye on what's happening internationally and and we see what are the best bits we can take um, in order to make sure GamerFest is the best event possible. Obviously, with the pandemic, you know, we had to look at other um, options in order to sustain the business while the live events were parked. So we did a couple of things during the pandemic. One was we launched an e-commerce business uh, called GamerStore.ie. And we had a relationship with a lot of the equipment uh, manufacturers, so gaming keyboards, monitors, etc. So we set up GamerStore.ie. Uh, and we sell that gaming equipment now to uh, the gaming audience here in Ireland. So that keeps us busy day to day. It's gone really, really well. And um, we have that audience, we have that community that we're able to engage with. So that's been fantastic. We're just looking to take that business to the next level now. Um, we're exploring partnerships with other established um, e-commerce companies um, in terms of investment that can help us scale that business further. Um, so that's keeping us busy day to day. We also uh, launched a number of online e-sports tournaments um, during the pandemic. So we've had you know over 3,000 gamers participate in those tournaments from across Europe and um, we've had gamers from a far firefield as Iraq um engaged in those tournaments which has been brilliant. So between all of those kind of pillars of the business we're kept really busy um and we're looking at maybe rolling out Gamer Fest um maybe in a couple of regional events next year. Um the Dublin event will continue to be our flagship event but it is nice to get out there as well um to the likes of of Limerick, uh, maybe the southeast, maybe Galway. And um, so we've lots going on and um, it's just a case of trying to use the resources we have as best we can.
2: Great stuff. Well, I will definitely be there. I cannot wait. It's one to attend if you're interested in gaming, if you know someone who's interested in gaming. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can get tickets on GamerFest.ie. Stuart, thanks so much for joining us on News Talk.
1: Thanks, Jess. We look forward to seeing you in October.
2: And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can find it in full on the news talk app Powered by Go Loud. I'll be back with Shane and Kira on Monday morning's news talk breakfast. Next week on the Pat Kenny Show, we are kicking off at long last our back to school, back to college guide. We will have different price points, different operating systems accessory rundown pretty much everything you need to know if you are heading back to school or college you can tune in on tuesday at around 11 30 for that uh, john fardy's up next here though with screen time enjoy the rest of your weekend